Proverbs 18, 13 says you'll never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins. Well, hello, this is Pastor Calvin Corbett with part two of this issue of forgiveness and how do we deal with guilt. I'm so glad that you're joining me for Hope for Your Heart today as we continue on this subject based on the words of Christ when he was on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know, every seed you plant eventually sprouts. You can't help it from happening, right? Be sure your sins will find you out. Whatever you sow, that you will also reap. Well, even though people are less involved in religion per se, we don't see a diminish in the guilt that people are experiencing. You see, the Bible says you can never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins because you really can't hide them. We talked yesterday about what do people do with this matter of guilt? Well, we try to bury it, but that doesn't seem to work. We spent a, a lot of time yesterday talking about the burying of our guilt, and we try to bury our past, but that doesn't work. The second thing that we try to do with our guilt is we try to blame it. We try to do the blame game, right? I'm going to blame somebody. If burying doesn't work, then we're going to blame it. We blame others. And this tactic is really as old as Adam and Eve, that very first couple. When Adam sinned, he took it like a man, right? He blamed his wife. And husbands have been blaming their wives ever since, and wives have been blaming their their husbands ever since, and so on. Parents blaming their kids, and kids blaming their parents. In Genesis chapter 3, God comes down and says, did you do what I told you to do? Uh, Yes, Adam admitted, but it was that woman you gave me who brought me some, and I ate it. Now, who's he blaming really? He's really blaming God. He says, God, it's this woman that you gave me. God, when it was just you and me in paradise, man, it was really cool. Everything was copacetic, right? I mean, we were here and we had this great relationship. And then you brought this little temptress into my life. And ever since that, it's been my downfall. God, if you hadn't given me this woman, I would have been a godly man. Does that sound familiar? Well, here's the question. Who are you blaming for your unhappiness? Who are you blaming for your problems? If I just had different parents, or if I just had a different job or a different boss, if my husband would just get his spiritual act together, if my wife would just stop doing this or doing that, if my kids, my brother, my sister, my boyfriend, who are you blaming for your problems? Who are you blaming for your sins? Who are you blaming for your guilt? You see, the fact is, we're all pros at the blame game. You're a pro at it, and so am I. We're pros at it, what I call accusing and excusing. Accusing and excusing. We accuse someone else, and we excuse ourselves. Or as Adam did, hiding and hurling. He hid from God, and he hurled accusations at somebody else. They did it. He's hiding and he's hurling. We do this all the time. In fact, it seems to me America has become a nation of victims. Everybody blames everybody else for every problem and nobody wants to accept responsibility anymore. Even in huge court cases, you'll hear things that are blaming somebody else. 
In his spiritual autobiography, William Barclay, the Scottish scholar, tells the tragedy of losing his 21-year-old daughter and her fiancé, who were drowned in a terrible boating accident. He writes, God did not stop that accident at the sea, but he did still the storm in my own heart so that somehow my wife and I came through that terrible time still on our own two feet. Barclay also tells of receiving an anonymous letter about his daughter's death. It said, I know why God killed your daughter. It was to save her from corruption by her heresies. Barclay says, If I had known the writer's address, I would have written back in pity, not anger, saying, as John Wesley once said, Your God is my devil. In this story are two different interpretations of God's involvement in the event that took the life of Barclay's daughter. Both interpretations lay the blame squarely at the feet of God. Barclay implies that God could have stopped that incident at sea, but chose not to. The letter written expressed the belief that it is God's breath that caused the winds that night and God's hand that tipped that boat over, thereby killing the young couple. You know why we do this? The reason why we blame other people is because we feel guilty. The more guilty we feel, the more we blame other people. It is a sure sign of guilt. Blame is always an indication that I don't like me. Why? Because in your mind, there is a scale between blame and guilt, and we can't handle guilt. So when we feel too guilty, we start blaming other people to even the score. Well, you did this. Yes, but you did that. Well, you did this. Yes, but you did that. Well, I did this because you act this way all the time. You see, blaming is always an indication of guilt. We're trying to justify it in our mind because we can't handle the scale tipped in the wrong direction. Sometimes we even blame God for our mess, like Adam did. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 19.3, some people ruin themselves by their own stupid actions, and then they blame God. God, why did you let me go bankrupt? And God says, wait a minute, I didn't put all that stuff on your credit card. I didn't tell you to buy a house you couldn't afford. I didn't tell you to take that risky gamble in that investment. You did that. Why are you blaming me? You made those decisions that got you into debt, and now you're blaming me, saying, why did you let me go into bankruptcy? You see, some people ruin themselves by their own stupid decisions, and then they blame the Lord. Well, the way we deal with our guilt is we bury it, we blame others, and when those two don't work, there's a third option. Number three, when we feel guilty, we beat up ourselves. You see, some of us are blamers and some of us are are barriers, but some of us are really good at beating ourselves up. You're Mary the Martyr. You feel like you have to self-administer punishment on yourself, and you're blaming yourself for all the bad things that have happened. 
Well, can guilt cause illness? Without a doubt. I read a study by a doctor that said about 50% of the people in the hospitals could go home tomorrow if they knew how to get rid of their guilt. You see, swallowing your guilt, when you do that, your stomach keeps score. If you don't take guilt out to God, it will take uh, guilt out on your body. You know, sometimes people say, he's a pain in the neck or pain in my back or or a pain in my rear, right? Really often, it's that guilt that's the pain. Most of the pains in life come from either resentment or guilt. Resentment is things that other people did to us. You resent that they did that to you. Guilt is the things that we did to other people. When we carry that, God says your body was not wired to handle guilt, and it creates all kinds of problems. As David said, I was wounded, I was hurting, nothing worked in my life. Can guilt cause depression? Without a doubt. He says it's a heavy load, Psalm 38. My guilt has overwhelmed me. Like I load it, it weighs me down. I don't even want to get up in the morning. You know what that is? That's depression. Because I was foolish, David says, I'm bent over and I'm bowed down. I'm sad all day long. Can guilt sabotage my life and my success? Without a doubt. I've seen it happen many times. People who are extremely talented, very bright, very intelligent, they're on the track to success. They're moving up that ladder, and they're more and more successful. And all of a sudden, they do a stupid thing, and they sabotage their own success. You wonder. What were they thinking? Well, one possibility is inside they're thinking, I'm not worthy of this success, and I have to atone for my guilt. You don't even know how your mind plays games on you. You sabotage your success because your conscience is tilting back, saying, tilt, tilt. You remember the old pinball machines? If you shook the machine too much, it would tilt. And that's what you're doing. You're sabotaging your very own success. David said, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a load. It weighs me down. Now, now here's the problem with punishing yourself with guilt. Your conscience doesn't know when to quit. When you start punishing yourself, your conscience doesn't know when to stop, when you've had enough. So it just keeps punishing you, punishing you, punishing you. More and more it happens over and over again. Maybe you're still beating yourself up for stuff that happened months ago or years ago or maybe even decades ago. Every time you think about it, you beat yourself up again. Why did I do that? The regret and the shame, and it all piles in and on you. You see, that doesn't work either. Burying and blaming ourselves doesn't work. What does Jesus want us to do with our guilt? He says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. What does he want us to do with our guilt? Well, there's three things. We learn three things that we do with our guilt. Now we're going to learn three things that God wants us to do with our guilt. Number one, he wants us to admit it. 
That's the starting point. You see, the Bible is very clear about how to get off of this guilt trip that we're experiencing. You see, guilt and that guilt trip is just a dead end. The steps are simple, but they are not easy. The first step is I must admit I'm battling this guilt. Don't bury it. Don't deny it. Don't ignore it. Don't rationalize it. Just own up to it. You know, be a man, be a woman, and admit it. I have sinned. I've made a mistake. This was wrong. Sometimes we even try to run from our guilt. We try to run away from it and escape it. The primary way that we try to do this is by keeping super busy. Business is often a coping device for dealing with guilt. That's my coping device. Workaholism can be a device for escaping guilt. So we overwork. I just keep myself busy. I move from one thing to the next thing. You can do that even in good things. I've seen people even do it in ministry. You can do the right thing for the wrong reason. And if it is guilt that is motivating you to do good, to try to atone for something in your past, or try to prove your worth, or try to express to God I'm valuable, you're missing the point. You see, when you're running from guilt, it's giving you a chance to catch up to you. It will catch up with you. And sometimes we run by traveling. Sometimes we run by eating. You know, as I think about that, that's another one of my go-to things when I feel guilty. I work hard and then I eat. When you understand it, really it is a battle that you're running from your guilt. Some people run from their guilt by thinking, well, I think I just move. Uh, I move to another state, another church, another relationship, another job. Well, the problem with traveling and moving is that you take it with you. The problem is not your location, but the problem is right between your ears. It's your mind. So you're not going to find relief by running to Idaho or any other state. You're not going to find relief from anywhere else except going back to the cross. When you finally slow down and you put your head down on the pillow at night and all these feelings come crashing back in again, God doesn't want you to live that way. The Bible says, you can't run from yourself. Proverbs twenty twenty seven, the Lord gave us a mind and a conscience. We can't hide from ourselves. You're not able to hide from your guilt. If you claim to be without sin, if I don't carry any guilt, I don't have anything I'm ashamed of. I don't have regrets. I've never sinned. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. First John 1, 8. You know, as humans, we have this amazing ability to lie to ourselves. You and I do it all the time. We lie to ourselves and we believe our lies. So how do we stop this crazy, vicious cycle? You start by admitting. Admitting that I have sinned. You know, maybe you just need to spend some time confessing your sin to the Lord. Spend some time just saying, Lord, I have messed up. You know, what I'm about to encourage you to do may sound a little bit odd, maybe make you feel a little bit uncomfortable, but I guess I've worked with Celebrate Recovery so long that that I've worked at ways that a person can come and overcome guilt. So if you can set aside just a little bit of time and uh, get yourself with a uh, a pencil and a and a yellow notepad, 
And if you're serious about being guilt-free, you would find an opportunity to do this occasionally, to go and write down all the garbage on your list. This all the things that you have done wrong in your life. And in Celebrate Recovery, they call this your spiritual inventory. So you get a piece of paper and you sit down and you say, God, I want you to bring to my mind and now help me remember everything that I feel guilty about, either consciously or unconsciously. You know, what's wrong? Where have I blown it? Where have I sinned? What kind of mistakes have I made? And just sit down and write them down. And maybe you say, you know, I was short with my wife today. And uh, I shouldn't have cut that guy off today. And I did it intentionally. Uh, And and you just go down this list. And some of the lists are going to be things that are pretty significant. I shouldn't have lied to my boss. And if you're honest to God, really honest to God, and you're authentic, God's Spirit will start to bring things to your mind. And you start writing them down. And you write things down. And you say, Lord, uh, I, I really exaggerated my, uh, my, my work today. I exaggerated the time that I put in to do something. Whatever's on that list, just write it down. And write it down. And then as you write it down, uh, you're going to have this opportunity to be set free. So I'm going to admit, all these things that are on this list, and if you're like me, it might be a page or two or three pages long, right? So once you've done that, step number two, after I admit it, is I accept responsibility for the sin in my life, for all the garbage that is here, for the times that I was self-centered in my life, and the times that I was all about me, the times I blamed others uh, when it was mostly my fault. And so you're going to be like David, right? You're not going to admit it. Uh, When David committed adultery with Bathsheba, when he finally wrote Psalm 51, which was over a year after his sin, he has this prayer of repentance. And notice that he doesn't even mention Bathsheba. He never mentions her by name. Why? It's not about her. It's about him displeasing God. Psalm 51 is a great psalm to read as a prayer. If you don't know how to pray, why don't you read and pray Psalm 51? So I make this my prayer. It's the prayer that he prayed when he committed adultery. It's a great, great prayer for cleansing and forgiveness. Look at verse number three, Psalm 51. David says, I recognize my faults. I'm conscious of my sins. I accept responsibility. Now, what's the best way to ensure that I'm acting and taking responsibility? I'm owning up to it, that I'm being a man. How do I really own up to it? Now, this may shock you, but the best way to get over the feeling of feeling guilty is to tell one other person. I don't say tell the whole world. Just find one person who loves you unconditionally and who's not going to judge you. Just be a listening ear. And you tell one other person that is going to, uh, to, to be involved in helping to remove the guilt that you're experiencing. Now, this is biblical. This is coming from James 5.16. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous man or a righteous person has greater power and produces wonderful results. Now, you don't confess to another person to be forgiven. All you have to do is to confess to God and you'll be forgiven. But many of you and many of us, uh, you know, God already has forgiven you and you still feel guilty. Why is it? 
if you want to be forgiven, you tell God. If you want to feel forgiven, you got to tell another person. That's the way God wired it. A revealing your feeling is the beginning of healing. We only get well as we are in community. Now, I think a reason a lot of people never overcome their guilt is they have isolated themselves from community. They feel so guilty that they don't go to church anymore. They feel so guilty they don't go to small group anymore. They feel so guilty they don't study the Bible with other believers anymore. You don't have to tell a bunch of people, but you need to tell at least one person. Then you begin to feel set free. Admit your faults. James 5.16, admit your faults to one another. It doesn't say to God. It says admit your faults to one another. You've already confessed it to God. He's already forgiven us. You've already claimed 1 John 1.9. And then it says, pray for each other so that you may be healed. So as we're praying in community with somebody else, that's where we experience healing. It doesn't say so that you may be forgiven, but so that you may be healed. These are two different things. Forgiveness comes from God, but God uses healing in relationships. This is why so many people have confessed sin to God and God has forgiven them, but they still carry guilt the rest of their lives because they've never been healed. They've been forgiven, but not healed of their faults. Now, the most important thing is to understand the root of all of our problems are relational. The roots of all of our problems, they're relational. You see, relationships to our parents, to the family we grew up in, to our friends, to our husband, to our wife, to our children, to other people in our life, they're all relational. The truth is that we are dishonest with each other. We play games with each other. We wear masks all the time. We fake it. We pretend to have it all together when everybody knows we don't have it together. Everybody knows you don't have it all together. But we still go around like we are pretending. We have this this masquerade of a ball that we're going around and, and we don't have it all together. We are broken. You know, there are really two kinds of people in the world. People who are broken and sinful and know it, and people who are broken and sinful and won't admit it. Now, that's it. Everything on the earth is broken. We're on an imperfect planet. No relationship, no marriage, no family, no job. Nobody is perfect. Uh, They're all broken. When we refuse to be real with another person, It creates all kinds of fears in our lives. It isolates us from each other. It causes fear. It prevents us, and, and it causes roadblocks to intimacy within our marriages. You see, God wired us in, in the fact that we need each other. We need community. You know, as I think about admitting something, it's a swallowing of our pride when we admit that we're wrong. And then when I accept the responsibility uh, to share this with another person, you know, I know it's uh, very much of a cliche, but it's true. I'm only as sick as my secrets. You've heard that so many times, but it's true. You're only as sick as your secrets. When you reveal that deep, dark secret in your life, you will begin to be released from that guilt. Well, there's one final step that we've got to take. And number three, 
First of all, we admit it. Number two, we accept responsibility. Number three, I ask for forgiveness. Now, join me tomorrow as we finish up this study on forgiveness and how to overcome guilt. Thank you so much for joining me today. Lord, thank you for the words of God that have encouraged us. Thank you for the blessing of Jesus on the cross saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. That was a gift of forgiveness that was given to us as well, if we will receive it. Lord, thank you for being so good to us. Bless the words of this broadcast. Bless the words of God as it is brought forth in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, just before I sign off for another day of broadcast, thank you for joining me. If I could pray for you, I would love to pray for you. Shoot me a text message at 252-267-2365. If you need a job and you love working with kids, uh, Hickory Ridge Academy is hiring. So give me a call or shoot me a text at 252-267-2365. I'll put you in touch with the right people uh, and you can get started working with us very soon. God bless you. I so appreciate you tuning in. Join me for the final part on this subject of forgiveness and how to overcome guilt tomorrow. Talk to you soon. God bless you. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.